We are in the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. We have now, we have come to a, um, what it be a, called a crossroad. We've come to a crossroad in this, this particular book. The first three chapters, from chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 3, verse 13, were all about who God is in our lives. What does He mean to us as believers? And ultimately, who are we in His life? which is very important as well. But the truth of it is, is, is Paul wanted to teach us a wonderful truth. He wanted us to, to really feel secure in who we are in Christ. If you remember, it is a, it is a, a magnificent place in the Word of God. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, from verses 3 to verse 14, is just a, is a, an amazing place in the Word of God because it, it teaches in, in chapter 1, from verse 3 to verse 6, who God the Father is in our lives, how He has secured us, how He long ago has brought us in into the family of God and has called us holy and blameless. That was in our future. We are secure because of what God the Father has done for every single one of us. Right now in the present day, we live in this time called the church age. And this is the time that Jesus Christ came to this earth to live, to explain exactly who He is, to put all doubts and all fears about who God is, how we can know Him. Jesus Christ put put, uh, flesh and, and bones on God so that we might see God. And He, in the present day, has redeemed us. And so God the Father in the past, far distant past, has secured us in who we are. In the present day... God the Son went to the cross, died for our sins, rose from the dead, which is of great importance because because now we too have everlasting life. He has given us life, proved exactly who He is, and He has paid for all our sins, past, present, and future. And so our past is secure, our present is secure because of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, God the Holy Spirit comes upon the scene and He seals us with a pledge, a promise to deliver us to heaven one day in the future. And so what we see in this first chapter is it's brilliantly written. Of course, it was inspired by God. Paul just penned his words, but it's still magnificent that we are secure in our past, we are secure right now in our present, and our future is secure all because of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, what, what Paul is doing now is he is going to transition us from that who we are, who God is in our lives, to what are we now to do about it. You see, that's the very crux of Christianity. The truth of the matter is, far too many people who become Christians become very complacent in the fact that, okay, I'm saved. I have like fire insurance. You know, I'm, I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. But we forget that there is a responsibility, uh, an obligation, if you will, to serve the Lord while we are alive. That's, that's the joy of it. The other day, uh, Friday, our, our kids called us and said, meet us at a place called Noguchi Gardens. It's in Orange County. It's really beautiful place. I had never seen it before. And, and what they were going to do, they told us to wear mostly gray and white and black. Well, they took pictures uh, of the family. It was really fun. 
And what was so beautiful about this moment is, is to see your children grow in their faith. To see that, that there is this, this transition, that, that there is a, a thing that you're to do as you walk with the Lord. And, and my son said, Dad, you'll be very happy. And I said, what's that, son? And he said, well, he said, we found a church just two miles from our home. And he said, the guy preaches the Word of God. And we are now going to church Sunday morning and Tuesday night. And my wife goes to a woman's study on Wednesday morning. And of all the things that happened that day, nothing could have been more joyful for me than that. To know that our, our, our kids are, are grounded in the Word of God and grounded into a church that helped them to grow and that they might help and be involved in that church. And that's what your and my call is. And that's what Paul is trying to say to us through this prayer. In chapter 3, from verses 13 to verse 21, he simply and purely is going to pray for us. But it's not just like prayers. It's, it's Dr. McGee calls this place uh, where he would say, I'm sure if any of you know who he is or have ever listened to him, he'd say, this is where the rubber meets the road. In other words, where you can put, as he would say, shoe leather to your faith. This is the one thing that, that, that has going to set us apart. You see, it's, it, it's one thing that we have read and, and we have studied and, and we've heard that the church is finally revealed, which Paul did in, in, in chapter 3. It's another thing to know that our faith is secure by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which we did in chapter 1. It's another thing to know that we are to gather together we are to become what is called the church, to worship and to glorify our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we might become, in this world in which we live, salt to a very tasteless world, and, and light, and light, folks, to a world that is growing darker and darker day by day. And, and, and that's, what, that's what we're supposed to be in this world in which we live, a light to a a world that, that it, it's getting darker and darker to see the very essence and the reality of who God is because of all the things that are surrounding us in this world in which we live. Someone came up to me last night after the service and said that they have a friend who moved to, to Europe. And you, he said, if you really want to know what darkness is, go there, he said. His people, his friends that went there said it was just amazing. It was amazing how repressed and how... Uh, deep and deep the church has has grown and far deep is i mean out of sight and out of mind and disrespected and all of those things and folks it's it's around the corner for us if things continue as they are and so we've read these truths now paul now paul is going to do something with our lives and what he's going to do is to ask us to live by these truths but what he realizes, because God the Father gave him this prayer, is that, that we cannot live by these truths without the Lord strengthening us. We don't do these things in and of our own power. God must be flowing through us. And so Paul wants us to put into action our faith. Not merely here in this church, but, 
But wherever we may be, whether it be at work, at home, at play, it doesn't matter. Whether we're alone or in a crowd, it doesn't matter. Paul's going to ask us to be strengthened so that we might go through the stresses, the trials, yes, even the triumphs within our lives. And this all happens, Paul is going to pray for us, within our innermost being, within this essence of who we are it's not those things outwardly because it says in the bible that the outer man is is decaying and dying day by day but the inner man is being what renewed it says being renewed within us and so paul is going to pray for that part of us that innermost being where the true strength of who we are in christ appears clearly appears and so paul has shown us the basic truth beyond about our christian faith but now he's going to pray and he's going to be specific he's going to ask god to move upon the most inner part of our lives and strengthen us listen now to this prayer and think about it when you and i pray for anyone when we do when we pray for anyone that we love it it is always of great importance there's never a time where you where you're flippant about a a prayer when you're praying for someone who is a loved one. You ask God to intersect within their lives, within their hearts, uh, within something within their lives so that that we might ask God to intervene. It's it's beyond us, God. You have to move. And that's that's what Paul is doing right now, not only to those in that day, but he is doing it for us right here, right now, Today, So he says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And then he gives now in verses 20 and 21 a doxology. He praises God. Listen to these magnificent words. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundant beyond all that we may ask or think according to the power that works within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Verse 21, folks. Verse 21. It all takes place within the church. Never make a doubt about it. What we do here within these four walls is critical to our faith. It is critical that we gather together. And why is it critical? Verse 21, that we may, by the grace of God, learn the truths of God and have them so ingrained within our innermost being that we will be able to pass it along to the next generation forever and ever. Amen. That is our responsibility. Those of us who are older, 
We have a responsibility to grow. We have a responsibility to be serious about our faith so that by the grace of God, we may pass along to this next generation that's coming after us that if the Lord should tarry, that they would be able to pass it along to their children. And on and on and on it goes. And it happens and it functions through God's ordained body, which is called the church. The church. The church, folks. What we do here at the Rock Community Church is critical. It is, it is essential for us to make sure that this place is our home. This place is the place that we build up so that people would see the very glory of God flowing not only through our lives, but through the church. Now let's pray. Please, Father, open up our eyes our hearts and our minds and our thoughts so that we might behold most wonderful things from your word. Oh, Father God, may this be a glorious morning. As we listen to this prayer of Paul for us, actually penned by him, but Father, given to him through the very Spirit of God, may we understand that these are your prayers for us, really. This is what you're asking of us. To be serious about our faith, to be strengthened within us so that we might be able to endure those things that that lie before us and so that we might be able to, Father, by your grace, be able to pass along some of these marvelous truths to our children and to their children. Oh, Father God, blessed be your name. Blessed be the very name of of our Father, our Son, our Holy Spirit. Blessed be the name of our God. And Father, we ask that you would move me aside, please. Let us, Father, concentrate on on the goodness of yours, your goodness, your words, your thoughts, your prayers for us. Father, thank you that you care for us that much. Like any parent would pray for their children, so you are praying for us. May we understand, the, as you say, Father, in, in your prayer, that we might be able to understand the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Jesus Christ, which will surpass knowledge. Let us be filled up with all the fullness of you, Father, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Wow. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you. There's, there's hardly much I can say after this prayer because it was given by God to you and me. But let's do look at it. Let's be faithful to try to study His words. If we were to look back and study chapter 1 again, if we were to look at verses 15 to 23, we'd see that Paul prayed before. In fact, look at verse 18 of chapter 1. Let's remind ourselves what Paul prayed for. God bless you. Let's remember, Paul prayed before... In verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, I praise that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Paul prayed that we would be enlightened, that our hearts may understand and know these wonderful blessings that God wants to pour out upon our lives. Well, here in chapter 3 now, starting with verse 14, as we just read, and beyond, Paul now is going to pray that the information that he gave us in the first three chapters 
will be now put into faith by those of us who are serious about our walk with Christ. He repeats the words in verse 14 that he already said in verse 1. For this reason. For this reason. And and some commentators, as I said to you last week, thought he went off on a a rabbit trail, so to speak, after he said in verse 1, for this reason, then he went off and and explained the mystery of what the church is until verse 14. And then in verse 14, he gets back, they say, to his original thought and again says, for this reason. And what for this reason is refers us back to chapters 1 and 2, especially chapter 2. In fact, look at chapter 2. Watch. Watch the blessings that God wants to pour out upon our lives because of this, for this reason, Paul says. Look at verse 5 of chapter 2. We are now alive together with Christ. Look at chapter, uh, excuse me, look at verse 6 of chapter 2. We are raised and we are seated with Him. Look at verse 8. It says, for by grace you and I have been saved. Look at verse 10. Not only have we been saved, but we are His workmanship. We have been created in Christ to do good works. Look at verse 19. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. We are now fellow citizens with the saints. We are of God's household. And verse 20 tells us that we've been built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, who is our cornerstone. And then verse 22, we've been built together. We are a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And since we have all of these things, Paul says, and so much more, Paul begins in verse 14 saying, for this reason, he's praying basically because of these things, he is saying, let's get busy about our faith. Let's let's be about doing our father's business. So in verse 14, Paul simply says, I bow my knees before the father. He is praying for us. And what is he praying? Well, verse 20, uh, be that we would be filled with His power according to the power that works within us so that, so that we may do the things that God has called us to do because without this power working within you and me, none of this is possible. None of it. We are all, hopefully, when we are serving the Lord with the spiritual gift that He has given us, hopefully we are working in His power, not our own. And I believe... I believe without, hopefully I'm not bragging, but I believe that I am a testimony to that. As I, I, I know this, I, I don't know if this falls on, on, on empty ears. Is that the way it goes? Deaf ears? I don't know. But I don't like being up front. I don't, I don't, I don't. And I, and I certainly don't like speaking in, in crowds. But God says, let me take something that is really weak. Let me take something that is frail, really can't do what I've called him to do, and let's see if he can do it. No, not let's see if he can do it. Let's allow him to do it as long as he walks in my power. And so when, when Paul bows his knees, it, it shows simply an attitude of respect and submission to his God. But kneeling's not the only position that we are seeing within Scripture. I mean, throughout Scripture... We see standing, praying, sitting and praying, bowing while they're praying, hands lifted up while they're praying, and hands not lifted up when they're praying. We see the ultimate, Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 26, falling on His face before the Father when He prayed to Him. In Genesis 18, we saw Abraham standing and praying. First Chronicles 17, we saw David sitting while he prayed. 
In in, in Exodus 34, we saw Moses bowing before the Lord when he prayed. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, we see people praying with their hands lifted and with their hands not lifted. And as I mentioned to you in Matthew 26, we see Jesus Christ falling on his face before his Father, praying to him. And so the position of your body... My point in this is, is, is the position of, of, of our body when we're praying is not critical. What is of importance is our hearts. You, you, oftentimes, I tell you, you don't even have to close your eyes when you pray. You don't. I, I have a tendency to not like to close my eyes when I pray, especially when I'm driving. I find that that's not a good thing. That's not good. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, I want you to pray without what? Ceasing. Very good. I don't want you to cease praying. But he's not saying that you're to babble along all day long. Just pray, 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 pray. No, what he is saying there is that when the, when the occasion arises, when something happens within your life, the first thing you should think of is to pray to God, whether it be something that is very necessary, that, that you need his assistance immediately, or something that you see is going to happen in the distance. He says, what you should do is have this relationship with me that you are... You are uh, never, never ceasing to pray. Having your communication with Him is a way of life. See, all of us who trust in God, as it says in verse 12 of this particular chapter, can have the boldness and confident access through faith to come to God. But we also, because of verse 15, we can go to our Father because we have derived our name from Him is one of those wonderful verses, verse 15, that, that takes in all and whomever believes in God, whether it was Old Testament saints or New Testament saints, we all derive our names from God the Father. All of us are a part of God's family. Watch what Paul prays again. Read it again, kind of more closely this time. Let me read it out loud for you. Verses 15 through 19. Paul prays, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, so that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in your innermost being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you would be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18, so that you may be able to comprehend with the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, What's the height? What's the depth? Verse 19. To know this love of Christ, which will surpass knowledge, that you might be filled up to all the fullness of God. Man, that's, that's some prayer, folks. And one of the first things I note out of that prayer is verse 16. It says that God would grant us according to the riches of His glory. What does that mean? Let's say Bill Gates attended this church. Now, they, they, I just saw a survey that said he is the richest man, uh, not in the world, in the United States of America. Something upwards to $50 billion. Now, if he came to church and, and, and let's say he gave $1,000 a month, that would be a wonderful gift. That would be out of his wealth. But let's say if he was very serious about his faith and gave, say, million to the church. That gift would be more according to his riches. 
You see, God gives to you and me according to His riches. And that amount is it's staggering, folks. God's resources are limitless. They are without boundaries. Our Father owns it all. And so when, when it says in chapter 1, verse 3, maybe this puts a little more oomph to it when He says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Our Father's blessings is limitless. There's no boundaries to how much He wants to bless you. But let's see, what does that mean? How can we, how can we even begin to appropriate these blessings into our lives? Listen, when you and I become strengthened, as only God and only God will and can strengthen us, then the world's going to take notice. We, the church, we need to be strengthened. We, we need to be different. And where does it appear? Where does it begin? In here, in that inner being of you and me. You see, oftentimes when we pray, we, we have a tendency to pray mostly for outward things. Physical health, um, children, all good things. Finances, uh, marriages, success, our happiness, so on and so on. But often we tend to neglect what is the most important thing we need to pray for, and that is for our innermost being. It is the innermost being of you and me that needs to be cured, that needs our prayers the most. You see, because it is from our innermost being that comes the one thing that causes most of our problems. You know what that one thing is? It's not a pop quiz. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You don't have to tell me. But it is plain and simple. It is sin. S-I-N. Sin is the one thing that comes from within that needs to be cured. It needs to be held back. It needs to be fixed within our lives. That causes us the most problem. And only God can and will cure our innermost being. It's our sin nature. It flows from within us. And it limits the power of God. It limits the grace of God. It limits God's strength that He intended us to have. Sin can harm that. Our greatest need as a believer in Jesus Christ is verse 16, that we would be strengthened with power in our innermost being through the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And how can we, inter- how can we strengthen our inner man or inner being? We've got to feed him. We've got to feed that inner person regularly. And there's only two ways to really feed that innermost being. Number one is by reading the Word of God. This is our food. This is our spiritual food. None of us go very long without having some food or some intake of food in our lives. We get hunger pains and we need to eat. Well, none of us should go any length of time without spiritually feeding ourselves as well. This is the spiritual food that will give you strength. It, it, will, it will minister to and help 
strengthen your innermost being, knowing the Word of God. And once you know the Word of God, the second thing is to live according to the will of God. And you and I will not know the true will of God until we understand what is the Word of God. Most people have a misconception of of the will of God because they don't understand the Word of God. He is, as we sang today, we're free. We're free to run. We're free to dance. uh, We're free. We're more free than we understand who we are in Christ. There's more freedom than, than there is this bondage. We need to free up to stop sin and to follow the will of God. And so our greatest need as Christians is to be strengthened from within. Strengthen the Simply and purely strengthen your life is to submit to the Word of God and the will of God. That's, that's it. That's why, that is why, as a church, <clears throat> we ask you to daily read your Bible. Daily have a daily reading to feed on the Word of God day by day so that you might strengthen your innermost being. Spiritual growth will bring strength into your life and my life. And it can be easily measured, folks. Simply put, you can see that your sin starts getting further and further apart. I'm not saying that you and I will never stop sinning. That's, that's not going to happen until we get to be in heaven. But I hope that you see in your life as you grow the sin pattern that you used to have starting to diminish a little bit. At least I hope and pray it is. And, and, and that's why uh, in my life I have gimmicks. I have things. I, things in my house that I see that remind me of God. I have things on my person that remind me. My watch beeps every hour so that... But you, my watch beeps to remind me of what am I walking like right now? What am I doing right now that might honor my Lord? And, and I am astounded sometimes how far I can go in just an hour. But these things in my life are reminders so that I keep my life in tow, that I keep myself grounded to try to be the man of God that God desires me to be. And in so doing, I find that some of those sins that I used to do much more frequently, I don't do as often anymore. The nearer you and I move towards God, the farther we'll be from sin and the more we'll strengthen our inner most being and now why why do we need to strengthen our innermost being paul prays it tells us exactly why it's it's not hidden it's not secret here look at verses 17 18 and 19 it's phenomenal here's why we need to strengthen our innermost being so that verse 17 christ might dwell in your hearts through faith and that you will be rooted and grounded in love verse 18 so that you may be able to comprehend with all the other saints what is the breadth what's the length what's the height what's the depth verse 19 no what is the love of christ which surpasses knowledge that you might be filled up with all the fullness of god you want to chew on something a while chew on that filled up with all the fullness of God, that Christ might dwell. The word dwell in verse 17, got to look at it. In the Greek, it is a work, it's, it's, it's really two words in one. It's K-A-T-O-I-K-E-O. Two words. K-A-T-A, it means down, means to be down, uh, deep within. 
The other part of that Greek word, O-I-K-E-O, means to inhabit. The meaning is not merely dwelling in a home, but to settle down in that home to stay for the long haul. That's, that's our faith, is it not? I hope that's your faith. There's nothing gonna, nothing's gonna shake me from my faith. Let's say they find this great discovery that, 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 that there is no God, that there is nothing. I'm not gonna change. There's no need to change now. I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I am settled down deep within my faith and I'm not about to move. It is a part of me. And why move? I, I lived on the other side of faith for a good portion of my life. Now, by the grace of God, He's allowed me to live long enough that it's, I've now been more longer a Christian than non-Christian, but that didn't happen until a year ago. But now I am. I've been a Christian longer than I've been a non-Christian, and I like this side of the aisle a lot better than the other side. And don't let anybody ever tell you the other side wasn't fun. Should have lived with me in Hawaii. A lot of fun. It just was a mess. It was a mess. But the joy of being a believer, I don't know what surpasses it. I've not come across anything like it yet. And so until the Holy Spirit controls yours and my lives, Jesus Christ cannot be comfortable within us. Let me say that. Now, Paul is not speaking about Jesus Christ being present within your life because we know once we come to believe in Him, the Holy Spirit reigns and lives within us. What Paul is speaking about is the quality of His presence within our lives. Not that He's there, but the quality of the time that we have with Him. The wonderful promise that Jesus Christ made, made in, in John chapter 14, 23. He said this, If anyone loves me, they're going to keep my words. I love that. I don't even need to go any further than that. But if anyone loves me, Jesus says, you're going to keep my word. This that we study. Then he says, And my Father will love him as well, or her as well. And we, Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit, will come to Him and make our abode or home within them to dig down deep and dwell there forever. A, that is a great promise. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit will bring forth, verse 19 tells you and me, the love of Christ. And to know the love of Christ will surpass all knowledge. And so our being strengthened in the innermost person leads to Jesus Christ being at home within your heart and my heart, which leads to His love, which, verse 19 tells us, will surpass all knowledge. I'm a testimony to that too. The love of Christ is overwhelming. It, it's at times, have you never had that feeling where you say, enough, enough, God, I have enough blessings, it's it's too much. It's, it's overflowing. I, I, I don't know that I can handle anymore at this moment. Those times have happened. Listen more. Listen. The result of your and my submitting to Jesus Christ as our Lord leads this love to flow through us, not only within our own lives, but within our church, within our homes, within our marriages, within every part of our lives will therefore be 17 rooted and we will be grounded in love. And then it says in verses 18 and 19, we're going to be able to comprehend 
the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. We're going to know the love of Christ, which will surpass all knowledge. And once we capture that love, folks, verse 19 tells us we'll be filled with the fullness of God. In other words, we're going to have God's love within us. That surpasses all knowledge. Chew on that for a while. The love of God flowing within you and me. That our churches across these United States of America would have this kind of love. But as I said last week, we can't speak to other churches so that our church might have this kind of love. That we would love one another. Jesus Christ told His disciples in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. I was asked to memorize this verse. He says, He says, I want you to love one another. Even as I have loved you, so you should have love for one another. He says, by this, all people are going to know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Wow. And now Jesus, and now Paul ends his prayer with this doxology. It's, it's, it's amazing. Doxology is like a hymn, words that praise God. Remember what Paul prayed for in verses 16 through 19. He prayed that the Holy Spirit would empower you and me. He prayed that Jesus Christ would indwell you and me. He prayed that God the Father would fill us with His fullness. And then, and then, and then, O Christian, verse 20, God will then be able to do. He will do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that you might ask or think. Can you imagine? When the Holy Spirit has empowered you, when Christ has indwelled you and His love has mastered over us, when God has filled us with His fullness, then He will be able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we might ask or ever think. Oh my God. Oh my God. Always according to His will. Until those conditions are met, the empowering, the indwelling, the filling, God's working with us within us as individuals, it's limitless. There's nothing can stop Him. Our sin will, will not be there and He will be free to bless us with every spiritual blessing. Now, as we said when we began, verse 21, let's close with verse 21. This all takes place. To Him be the glory in the church the place where God's glory truly dwells is in the church. That is what God has ordained for this day. This building, these group of people, you and me, we make up the church and we are to glorify Him in and through the church so that we might pass it along to the next generation forever and ever until the Lord comes back. Amen. What you and I are doing within these four walls is critical. Never take it flippantly. What happens within here as we move the whole cause of Christ forward as a group of believers is critical. These four walls, this church is important to our Lord. What happens here is important to, to Him. How we treat the next generation, how we care for the children that God has brought into not only your life as parents, but our lives as pseudo-parents, as we can love on your children. It's critical because the glory of our Lord will be seen through this church. 
Make no mistake about it. God wants to bless this place far more than you and I want it blessed. God wants this place to be far more than you and I would ever hope it to be. It is my prayer that He will do with us as He so sees fit, whatever that might be. Father God, would you please strengthen us? Strengthen us through the very innermost being of who we are. Empower us through the very Spirit of God that lives within us. Father, let us take seriously this whole attitude of of sin that we would, Father, uh, do our very utmost best, Father, to sin no more, to walk with you as faithfully as we know how. And Father, would you empower us to do that? Because on our own, we fall short. We just fall short. There's, There's no way that we can do what we want to do for you in and through our own power. Would you, as Paul prayed for us, actually, Father, I know it's your prayer. I know it's what you desire for us. You just had Paul write these words. Would you, dear Father, strengthen us, empower us in our innermost beings. Let us be the people you called us to be. Father God, may we walk faithfully with you this day in and through our church and forevermore, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all so much. Thank you for being here today. I'll see you next week.